The Plumbing Professional is sponsored by Blue Frog Plumbing and Drain. Welcome to The Plumbing Professional, a podcast for plumbers by plumbers, where we break down plumbing problems into simple processes. I'm one of your hosts, James Walker. And I'm your other host, Jack Pruitt. All right, today we're going to be talking about water heater rebuilds and getting to replacements as well. So, Jack, we know that water heaters, that's that's something that customers often feel they already know about. I can go pick this up at Home Depot and have a friend of mine put it in. But but tell us what a plumber should be thinking about when he comes on site and he finds either a problem with a water heater to be rebuilt or the need for it to be replaced. Well, James, the statistics say that after seven years, water heaters begin to fail. For sure, after seven years, the average is seven years on a water heater, even though they might have a 10 or 12 year warranty on it. And so you have to weigh out how much it's going to cost to rebuild that water heater and how much it's going to cost to replace that water heater. So let's talk now, you're coming into a repair scenario and a rebuild scenario. What should they be looking for as a plumber? What are they evaluating in terms of how effective it is, how efficient it is? Obviously, if it's seven or eight years old, it's probably not completely broken yet. Now, you might be called out for a specific reason, but but help us through the specific repair side, what they should be looking for in the diagnostic process and telltale signs that the water heater isn't functioning like it's supposed to. Okay, number one, we have to determine whether it's a gas or electric water heater. Let's just say this one's electric, okay? The first thing I would do is shut the water off to the water heater, and it's typically a gate valve as well, and you might consider changing that out into a ball valve if you do change the water heater or any components of the water heater because it may or may not work. After you shut the water off, you need to hook up a water hose to the water heater. You also need to turn the electricity off to make sure that there's nothing on for this water heater. I would at least flush about a third of this water heater out and you might have to drain this completely depending on if you have to change both elements. So let's talk about the difference between gas and electric. Obviously the heating elements, the wear and tear, the way that they kind of fall apart over time. Is there a distinction between the two? Absolutely. The gas water heater, well, let's go into electric first. The The electric water heater typically is going to have two elements and two thermostats. That's it to a water heater. Now on the inside is a little bit different. Well, really on the outside there is too. There's a temperature and pressure valve that needs to be checked once a year. And it states on that temperature and pressure valve, it should be operated at least once a year and inspected by a licensed professional every three years. Failure to do so could cause catastrophic damage. So that's a a big one right there on plumbing maintenance. That's a big tip for everybody out there. The second thing is, the thermostats. Now, if the water heater is not working, chances are it's kicked a breaker. Make sure that the breaker's on or off and you know whether or not it's on or off before you go to checking the thermostats. So you'll take off a couple of metal plates, one on top and one on bottom. You'll take those metal plates off and you'll check the thermostats first to see if they're working. Chances are there's too much calcium in the water and calcium and sand have shortened out the elements and the mm-hmm. elements are now is a, it's a rod that goes into the water heater and it loops back. Chances are that the two rods that the one that loops back they're so close together that they're touching now with the calcium buildup. Interesting. And so this is uh, the erosion of the heating element, obviously, due to calcium, you're saying, in this scenario. Is that typically the biggest thing that's going to be the water 
purity is going to be the biggest thing to erode the water heater effectiveness or just different types of usage and wear and tear? Calcium and sand buildup. In each water heater, there's a sacrificial anode rod. Mm -hmm. The sacrificial anode rod is most likely gone as well. Most plumbers don't like to take the sacrificial anode rod out because it's hard to get out. Yeah. Typically, it takes an impact wrench to get that out. Okay. And if you take that out, most likely it looks like a clothes hanger after it's been used for seven or eight years. And it should be probably in the neighborhood of a half inch or probably between a half inch and three quarter inches around. So if you're, you're pulling out that sacrificial rod or you're dealing with an eight to 10 year old system, uh, maybe the conversation is less about replacing that rod and more about replacing that system altogether, right? How, off, how often would a rod, a sacrificial anode, start to deteriorate in the first five to six years? Is that a very rare circumstance? Typically around seven to ten, it's starting to really erode? After five, it depends on the water, really, the yeah. water quality coming in. Now, if you have a filter and a softener on your water, and, it, and it's great quality water, it's going to last a whole lot longer. If you flush that water heater once a year, it's more likely to last longer. And, the re and that's on gas and electric because now you're flushing out the sediment, the calcium buildup and the sand buildup inside a water heater. You're flushing that stuff out and it, and it keeps it fresher and, and cleaner on the inside of the water heater. So if you're flushing it, is it going to keep it fresher and cleaner and also allow you to keep more water that is hot for longer? Is that going to be the symptom that the customer is going to notice most? Oh, absolutely, because if it uh, builds up on the bottom, let's just say it built up two or three inches on the bottom, and you're heating up uh, a gas water heater, you'd have to heat up that two or three inches of sand or calcium on the bottom. So it'd be like putting a brick on the stove and putting a, a water kettle on top of the brick. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Well, I want to get to gas in a second, but kind of to your point, you're talking about an annual maintenance, and this would be part of a diagnostic, I'd say, if you're coming back out on a consistent basis. You talked about uh, draining it, but what also about the pressure release valve? Tell me about the uh, how often should we be checking that and what happens when we don't? Well, the pressure relief valve is, is just for that. It's a temperature and pressure valve. If the temperature gets too high or the pressure gets too big in the water heater, it pops off and allows the water to escape the water heater instead of either breaking, bursting, blowing up the water heater. Yeah. Now there's a YouTube on Mythbusters, and yes, it's very hard to blow that water heater up. However, there has been several water it heaters that have blown up. Yeah. So is that part of the diagnostic on a yearly basis just to make sure that that's functioning correctly, just for peace of mind? Absolutely. Real easy check and roll. Real yeah. easy check, but after it gets seven or eight years old and if it's never been checked, it needs to be pulled and you need to look at the inside because it has a rod on it as well. And if there's buildup or knots on that rod with calcium or sand or whatever builds up on that rod, then it needs to be changed. And it's just a $10 sure. part. So let's talk about the gas side. What's different or distinct about the gas? Gas typically wears out before uh, you need to replace most things because gas, you've got a thermostat at the bottom. It's not really a thermostat. It's a gas uh, valve that uh, allows gas to go in and get hotter. And then it has a burner on the bottom of a water heater. That burner comes on and it fires up and it's an actual fire firing up the bottom of the water heater, heating up the water in the water heater. 
Yeah. Obviously, if Mrs. Jones calls us out and says my water heater is busted and it's not working, she wants us to look at the water heater. But I would also think that quite often we're there for another reason. And proverbially, the frog in boiling water over time, they just don't have a big felt pain point need because the water has got the hot water has gotten less and less and less over the last seven years. But it's not a reason they really want you scrounging around their water heater for. What symptoms or what things can you do as part of the diagnostic process to help them get clarity about the value of looking at either repairing or replacing that water heater when they haven't even called you out for that reason today? Actually, on water heaters, if you'll read the warranty, which most people don't, yeah, it says on the warranty of the water heater to flush that water heater once a year. And if water heater manufacturers really wanted to get very uh, strict about this, they could not warranty their water heater if it wasn't flushed once a year. Hmm. It should be flushed once a year anyway. I mean... If we flush a water heater once a year and we take very, very good care of our water heater, I'm, my opinion is going to last twice as long okay. as what it would last if you don't. Interesting. So let's talk about any type of accessory solutions on water heaters. What type of stuff is there to take a good water heater and make it better? Expansion tanks, any type, and then thought processes when it comes to uh, tankless water heaters. In many towns around the United States, now it's mandatory for thermal expansion tanks to be on water heaters. Now, it's really on a water line going into the water heater. Because when you heat up water, what happens is it expands, right? Right. And when it cools down, it detracts. So through thermal expansion, instead of heating up that water and and the water heater taking the abuse on the inside, the thermal expansion tank takes the abuse. Well, it has a spring in it, and it has a diaphragm inside that. And there's uh, some air pressure in it. So when it thermal expands, the, the air pressure goes out, and it just works up and down on the inside of the thermal expansion tank and uh, eliminates it from the water heater and it allows the thermal expansion tank to to take the abuse okay and so basically what you're doing is prolonging the longevity of the water heater are you expanding its capacity for hot water or any other benefits it's just specifically the the longevity specifically the longevity of the water heater okay the second thing i would do is you know this is just my preference i would pipe the water heaters in with hard copper I wouldn't use the soft copper lines or the flex lines or the stainless steel flex lines or whatever. On the warranty on the flex lines, all flex lines, if they get kinked, they are no longer in warranty. And I know we try to bend them in a round shape and try to form them just right to go down to the water heater and it makes it very convenient. However, in my opinion, that's not as professional as hard coppering the water heater in for the hard copper again it takes a little bit more effort time but there's the increased professionalism uh, cost as well is there any other reasons that you'd say beyond professionalism that there's just a statistical advantage to having that hard copper as opposed to the flex well the flex copper sometimes uh, will get a kink in it so it's sometimes, a kink yeah sometimes the clients will you know not meaning to maybe hit the soft copper and move it a little bit and cause leaks or just little bitty drips or or even kink it so it's just absolutely safer to have that hard copper and so a lot of customers now are starting to get more and more aware of the tankless water heaters and the instant water 
uh, instant hot water. What is the thought process that a plumber should have when it comes to that? Because obviously it's not optimized for every house or every location. When should they be about offering that and when should they not? Let's start with electric because this is very controversial out there. Okay. Um, electric water heaters, electric tankless are fantastic if you have the proper setup. However, most people don't. You have to run more electricity lines in. Mm. It does take a lot of electricity. Then we'll go into the gas ones. And the gas tankless water heaters are fantastic as well. However, do you have the proper amount of gas coming in? Mm. The typical water heater takes 199,000 BTUs. The tankless water heater takes more than 199. Um, and there's a couple of different sizes of tankless water heaters. So they're going to need a bigger gas line coming in. You also have to take into consideration the vent going out. Interesting. What about distribution? I've heard before, I remember years back, I started looking to get in a tank list and they said I wasn't well positioned with the layout of my house because my water heaters currently were piped from the side of my house as a po- or, or a region of my house that wasn't centrally located. Is that most important that you've got centrally located when it comes to a tank list or does that really make a difference or not? It really doesn't make too much of a difference. You have to remember this. It's a tankless water heater. It's not a point of use water heater. So in other words, if you have a water heater on one side of your house and it has to pump water all the way to a faucet on the other side of the house, it has to push out all the cold water water Mm -hmm. before the hot water will get there unless you have a circulating pump or there's a couple of other devices that you could put on your faucets as well. Any other last fun, I mean, just top-notch, uh, gold star accessories that come into water heaters that that luxury client really wants anything uh, beyond thermal expansion tank or oh absolutely water heaters are changing just like cell phones now you can turn your water heater up or turn your water heater down with your cell phone mm. that's uh, pretty insightful jack it's been great talking to you we'll see you guys on the next podcast episode and y'all have an awesome day thank you very much and have a fantastic day the Plumbing Professional is sponsored by Blue Frog Plumbing and Drain. Blue Frog is a national plumbing network that focuses on creating the optimal opportunity for its plumbers by providing an amazing experience for their customers. For more information, check out bluefrogplumbing.com.